marriage was never designed uh, to help and, and, and benefit just you. So literally, when you enter into a covenant, when you, when you marry someone, um, you are taking on the responsibility of someone else. I meet tens of thousands of men who will give themselves to their job, and then they give a fraction of themselves to their family, and they wonder why their family you know, hates them. They come home, and they just want to turn off. They just want to shut down, and they wonder why their wife doesn't want to sleep with them their wife is, is, is sad and discontent. Well, it's because you gave the best part of yourself to your job and you're giving leftovers to your family. Like it should be the opposite. Like your family should be getting the best of you. One of the best studies I ever read was a study on why people have an extramarital affair. They interviewed thousands, thousands of people who had an affair and they said, what was the driving factor? And it never had to do with sex. It all had to do with nostalgia. They said, man, I wanted to feel what I felt when I was first married. When you lose that nostalgia, that's when you step outside the relationship. It doesn't have to do anything with sex. No, it's, it, it's keeping it fresh. Keep studying your wife. Become a student of your spouse. Learn new things about them every month, every year, and then keep the flame going. When you're in love with someone, you're going to organize your schedule and make them a priority. You know, that's in some ways a fleeting state. It's obviously a priority. And then you get married and you kind of get accustomed to having each other around. And then everything else is more important and the relationship drifts to the bottom. And then people get dissatisfied and they start looking for excitement and adventure otherwise. Well, mm. you can't do that. You have to prioritize the relationship. They have to spend 90 minutes a week together talking about their lives to keep mm. their stories caught up. It's not that much and which is a good thing you can actually do it and then they need to spend at least one time having a date one is necessary two is better you can't aim for a lot more than that because life is very busy and if it's going to be sustainable it has to be realistic but they need to make time for each other twice a week and and talk in like in a non-romantic way and that keeps people tied to each other and updated and so that's sort of your minimal commitment level if you don't want things to deteriorate yeah that's so good what Peterson says here. It's, it's talking about uh, prioritizing and, and keeping the relationship fresh, keeping the relationship ship new. It, it's amazing. There's something in human nature that we will often take advantage of and take for granted the things that are closest to us, right? So um, instead of, of being thankful every day for the relationship you have, instead of being grateful every day for the wife that you have, what you'll end up doing is taking her for granted or you'll take advantage of her, right? And it gets, it gets old and it gets stale and it gets boring. And, and because you know, right, like hypothetically, she's going to be there the next day, you just kind of go do and live however you want to live uh, because it's so routine, She's going to be there the next day. But, but what Peterson's talking about here is so good. No, like, like if you want to avoid that routine, like, like keep it fresh. Keep it fresh. One of the, one of the best studies I ever read uh, was a study on why people have an extramarital affair. And, and sometimes I think we get this, we get this thought that, that it has to do with sex, right? Like a, like a husband or a wife is going to cheat on their spouse because... Um, they want, they want new sex or they want better sex, so they go looking for sex somewhere else. But they interviewed thousands, thousands of people who had an affair, and they said, what was the driving factor? And it 
never had to do with sex. It all had to do with nostalgia. They said, man, I wanted to feel what I felt when I was first married. I wanted to feel what I felt when I was first dating my wife. That that, that honeymoon phase, right, where, where you're being pursued and you're pursuing, where the relationship is new, where you're constantly learning new things about one another, where you're, you're basically falling in love with each other over and over again afresh every day, like it's the nostalgia of the relationship. When you lose that nostalgia, like that's when you step outside the relationship. It doesn't have to do anything with sex. Like sex is easy. You can, you can, you can pay for sex. Right? Sex is easy. No, it's, it, it's keeping it fresh and keeping it new. And that's what Peterson is talking about, right? Like taking the time to, to, to learn new things about your wife, to, to, to hear where she's at, to, to, to hear new experiences she's had. And then, and then that date night, like keep the fire going, keep the flame burning, right? To, to always be dating your wife, just like you did when you first met. Like you want to keep the honeymoon going. You want a perpetual honeymoon. Like that's how things stay great. That's how things um, stay successful. It's, it, it's when you're prioritizing and you're learning new things about your wife and then you're keeping the flame going. You're still pursuing your wife. A lot of women today, a lot of men today, they feel dissatisfied in their relationship because their, their spouse stopped pursuing them because everything became routine, because everything became old hat. It just got normalized. And when they lost the pursuit, man, they lost the spark. They lost the fire. They lost the flame. So, so I, think, I think Peterson is spot on. Man, keep studying your wife. Become a student of your spouse. Learn new things about them every month, every year, and then keep the flame going. Keep that date night once a week, once a month, whatever you have time for. I have four kids under the age of 11, so having a date night once a week, Man, that's not an option for us. But once a month, once a month it is. And some of the best times with my wife are getting our kids to bed and they're just sitting on our back patio by the pool for 30 minutes and just learning new things about each other. So a lot of men struggle transitioning from work to home. And, and they struggle with the transition because I think the metrics are different and they don't even know it. Oftentimes at work, like what you give is rewarded. So at work, the purpose is I'm going to give it my all because the more I give it, the better I do, the more I succeed, the more I achieve, like the greater the reward. So it's all based on input output. So you go to work, you crush it because you know at the end of that, um, like that direct deposit is going to hit, uh, that quarterly bonus is going to hit. Um, that sales vacation is going to hit whatever it is, right? So, so you go to work, you find all this meaning, you find all this purpose, the reward is great, and then you go home because we think, man, I'm going to go home and, and I'm going to do the same thing and then I'm going to experience the same reward. But it's not the same metrics. That's the problem. Like at work, you get to be, you get to be the rock star. At home, you get to be the servant, like that's where you find purpose and, and, and reward in the house. So I'm, I'm coming home to, to, to serve my family, not so that I can get something in return. I'm coming home to serve my family so that, so that I can better their lives, um, so that I can give my life for them. Um, um, at work, I'm giving my life to get something in return. 
at home, I'm giving my life so that my family can have a better life. Like, like it's a nuance. It's a difference, right? And, and you've got to be able to separate those two things so that when you get home, it's not the reward that you're always looking for. It's the, it's the betterment of your children. It's the betterment of your wife. It's, it's, man, have I given enough? Have I served enough? Have I loved enough here um, um, so that my home is better? Well, most men, when, when they think about marriage, um, they're thinking it from the context of I and me. So what is it that I'm going to get out of this marriage? Um, how is this marriage going to help me and benefit me? And the problem with that is marriage was never designed uh, to help and, and, and benefit just you. So literally, when you enter into a covenant, when you, when you marry someone, um, you are taking on the responsibility of someone else. You know, there's this, there's this parable, there's this parabolic teaching uh, that Jesus does in Matthew 25. And it's, and it's actually um, the story of the talents is what it's called. And typically when people hear that, um, they think Peter Parker, Spider-Man, like to whom much is given, much is, um, you know, uh, to whom much is given, much is required, right? But, but when they think about that, they often think about it in terms of money, they think about it in terms of like the actual talent you bring to the table. Um, but what if, what if that parable actually had more to do with marriage than it had to do with money? So I want you to think about this. Before your girlfriend was your girlfriend, she was someone's daughter. Before your fiancé was your fiancé, she was someone's daughter. Before your wife was your wife, she was someone's daughter. Uh, particularly she was God's daughter, like God's design, God's creation. So what that means is as your girlfriend, as your fiance, as your wife, God has basically loaned her to you. So he's given you, he's given you this wife, he's given you this marriage that you are supposed to steward. Okay, you're supposed to steward that well. And, and in the parable of the talents, what we learn is, is one of the servants gets, gets one talent of money, and because he's afraid of the master, um, he buries the talent. And when the master comes back, he says, hey, where's my money? The servant says, well, you're a hard man. You reap where you don't sow. Like, I was a little worried, so I buried it. But here it is. Here's your money back. And the master says, you're a fool. Like, at least you could have put it in the bank and got interest. And he snatches it from him, and he gives it to another guy, and he says, it's going to be bad for you, right? What if I told you marriage is the same way? So, so God's given you this, this wife, and when he returns, like at the end of your marriage, at the end of time, whatever happens first, right, and you've got to turn your wife, you've got to turn your fiancé, you've got to turn your girlfriend back over to God, it's going to be real bad if you say, well, at least I didn't break her. Here she is, God, you gave her to me like this, and I'm returning her how I found her, right? And I think so many men see relationships like that. Like my goal as a boyfriend, my goal as a fiance, my goal as a husband is to just not break my wife. Well, at least, you know, I'm just not going to hurt her, right? Um, I'm just going to give her back. I'm going to return her in and, and, and the same way I found her. And, and when, that's, when that's your end goal, you will find dissatisfaction in your marriage. You will, you will not know how to steward your marriage, and it will, it will typically end in a ruined and broken relationship.
No, your purpose as a man is to take that gift, to take your girlfriend, to take your fiance, to take your wife and make her better than when you got her. Like when the master comes back and says, all right, where's my money? You're going to say, hey, hey, Lord, you gave me a five-talent wife. I'm giving you eight talents back. Hey, hey, she came to me as a, as a three, four-talent woman, and I'm giving her back as a six, seven, eight-talent woman. Like the question I'm asking myself as a husband isn't, man, what am I getting out of my marriage? The question I'm asking myself is, is my wife a better person because she's married to me? Is my wife a better mother because she's married to me? Is my wife a better friend, a better daughter, a better person in our community because she's married to me? Like my goal is to be the best man I can be, to be the best husband I can be, to be the best father I can be so that I can make those around me better. Like I want my wife to grow. I want my wife to succeed like, I want my wife to be a better mom, a better daughter, a better sister, a better follower of Jesus because she's married to me. Instead of being a, a nuisance, instead of being a weight, instead of being a burden to my wife, like, I want to be, be jet fuel. Like, she's this rocket, and I want to be the rocket fuel that helps her to get wherever it is she wants to go. And when we start to see our relationship like that, like, instead of, I'm not the rocket. Man, I'm the rocket fuel, right? I think we have start to find more purpose and more meaning in our marriage, more purpose and more, more meaning in our relationships. Marriage isn't there just to satisfy me. My desires change. My likes and my satisfactions change. No, no, no. Marriage is there so that, that I can... I can lift up others. I'm there to serve my wife, not to be served by her. I'm there to, to help her find her purpose and to give her meaning, not to, not to find purpose and meaning in her, right? And, and, and that's where we've got to switch our thinking. That's where we've got, to, we've got to see marriage in this new light. No, no, God's given you a girlfriend. God's given you a fiance. God's given you a wife. And listen, I don't know what type of wife he gave you. I don't know if she's a two-talent a four-talent, a six-talent, a ten-talent wife. I don't know. Like, that's not, that's not for me to decide. Um, that's really not even for you to decide. Like, she is what she is. The question is, is she getting better because she's married to you? That's the question. So how do we, how do, we do that? How do we make sure, like, like, our wife is becoming a better person because she's married to us? Well, well the first way is obvious, right? Like, we've got to be better. Like, we have to be less selfish. We have to be more thoughtful. Like, when we come home, it isn't, it isn't, oh, I've worked all day. Now it's time for me to prop my feet up. Baby, bring me a cold beer so I can, so I can watch the game tonight. Like, no, that's, that's terrible. Like, there, there has to be more to your relationship. Like, there has to be more to you as a man than that. Um, your, your giving, your service doesn't stop when you hit the door. Like you can't provide for the world and be an asset to the world and, and help your company grow and, and, and be valuable to the world and then come home and just be a drain. Like, like what type of man would you be if that was your MO? No, no, no. You're providing value to the world and then when you come home, you're providing value to your home. 
you're not coming home to be served. You're actually coming home to serve. Amen. This is hard. Like it's easy. It's easy for me to come home and check out. It's easy for me to come home and justify vegging out on the couch because I've given so much to my work that day. But that's not who we are as men. And, and that's not who we need to be. There are a lot of days that I come home and I have to sit in my truck for 10 minutes and get my mind right because I know when I walk through that door that I've got to give another three hours. I know when I walk through that door, I've got to give more of myself because there's four little kids that need me. There's a wife that needs me and doesn't need me to be a drain, doesn't need me to be rude, doesn't need me to be angry, but like needs me to be on point and serve them. I meet so many men. I meet tens of thousands of men who will give themselves to their job. They will give themselves to their vocation, and then they give a fraction of themselves to their family. And they wonder why their family, you know, hates them. They wonder why um, their wife is, is, is sad and discontent. Well, it's because you gave the best part of yourself to your job and you're giving leftovers to your family. Like it should be the opposite. Like your family should be getting the best of you. Your wife should be getting the best of you. And then what you have left, you're giving to the world and you're giving to your community and you're giving to those around you. But we flipped it today. Today, we want to give the best of ourselves to whatever venture or, or whatever job or whatever calling, right? Whatever hobby. And then, and then our families are going to get what's left over. So, so the first thing you have to do is reprioritize that. Your family, your wife, your children, your home deserves your attention. And if that means you have to sit in your truck for 10 minutes and get your mind right before you walk through the door, then sit in your truck for 10 minutes and get your mind right before you walk through the door. Right? Whatever you have to do, when you get home, you have to be on. You can't come home and just turn off. That's the number one thing. I see it all the time for men. They come home and they just want to turn off. They just want to shut down and they wonder why their wife doesn't want to sleep with them. They wonder why their kids just want to stay in their room and watch iPads. Well, that's easy when, when all you do is come home and shut down. That's easy when all you do is come home and watch TV or play video games or get on the computer. I mean, your family knows if you don't want to be with them, guess what? After a while, they're not going to want to be with you. So when you get home, you've got to be on. You've got to be ready. Don't come home in a bad mood. Don't bring all the nonsense and frustration from your work. Man, don't bring that into your home. Leave that junk in the trunk, man. Leave all that stuff outside. And when you come home, man, you're on. You're happy. You're thankful. Man, you're ready to serve your wife and you're ready to serve your kids. That leads me to the second thing. Like, never underestimate the value of proximity. Proximity is huge. Just being present is one of the things like your wife and your children need. Man, just be around. Just be there to help. Just be there to listen. Right? It's it's amazing how much my, my, my wife values just me listening. For years, I thought, I thought my wife's love language was um, works of service. So like I would come home and I'd sweep the floors and I'd do the dishes and, and man, I'd have the house immaculate 
and I'd think, man, this it's going to be good in the bedroom tonight, right? Like my wife's going to be jazzed, like works of service. She's going to pay that back. It's going to be awesome. And like I was getting nothing out of her. Like it wasn't doing it for her. So finally, after years of this, I just went to my wife and I said, hey, listen, like I come home and I'm active. I'm doing the dishes. I'm cleaning the table. I'm sweeping the floors like like and you're not you're not valuing that. Like I don't feel appreciated. And she looked at me and she said, Chris, man, like you come home and you're so busy. You just don't have time for me. She said, I would rather you not do the dishes and we just sit on the couch and hold hands. And you just sit and just be with me. And that's hard for me, right? Because because like the worst thing in the world for me is just sitting still. Like I, I like even sitting here and doing this, like I want to jump up and down and do jumping jacks right now. Like I hate sitting still. But like that's what my wife needed. She just wanted me to come home and just be with her. Come home and, and instead of immediately being active, man, just take her by the hand and let's go for a walk, a 20-minute walk around the neighborhood. Like she just wanted me to be present. How many men today struggle with that? Like when you get home, you struggle with being present. We live in this information age where we're always plugged in, right? It's so hard for us just to live in proximity and just to be present. So my encouragement to you is, again, when you get home, put the phone away. Put the laptop away. I talk to so many men. They're, man, I'm just so dissatisfied and I'm just disengaged um, with my marriage or I'm dissatisfied with my sex life. And I ask them, so so what were you doing in bed right before you wanted to make love to your wife? Nine out of ten times they say, well, I was working on my laptop. I said, well, that's sexy as hell. You just sitting there plugging away at work 10 o'clock at night on your laptop, and you're wondering why your wife doesn't want to make love to you right after that. Maybe it's because you were giving more attention to a laptop than you were to your wife. Like, unplug. Put the laptop away. Like when you leave work, leave work. Put the cell phone away. Don't, don't come home and spend two hours playing Call of Duty. Like put the video games away and just be present. Live in proximity with your family and give them your full attention. So the first thing, the first thing is, is, is man, get your mind right and give it all when you come home. The second thing is, is when you're home, be home. Be present. Pour in quality time, listening, just being around your family. This is huge. And the third thing, the third thing your wife needs more than anything else is, is she does need help. You know, she does need you to be engaged. It's, it's crazy. I was, um, I was in a small group setting one time, and they asked my wife, like, um, what's the best thing as her husband I do for her? The best thing. And she said, man, I love it. One of the best things my husband does is when he gives the little ones a bath. Like when I give my two toddlers a bath. She's like, it helps me out so much. And I remember everybody in the conversation was like, oh, Chris, that's so sweet. That's so nice that you do that. I remember being wrecked by that conversation. I thought to myself, how low is the bar that the best thing I possibly do for my wife is give my kids a bath. Like, what type of bar have I set? Like, her expectation of me, her highest expectation of me is that, is that I'm so helpful, I give the kids a bath. Like, it wrecked me. Is that all I bring to my home? 
like as my as my wife's co-laborer, as her helpmate, as the guy that's supposed to be there building her up, like the best thing I do is give the kids a bath. I remember going to her that night after we left the small group and just apologizing and saying, I'm sorry that that like the best thing I do is give the kids a bath. Like, honey, I want to be more than that. Like, I want to be, I want to be helpful. I want to be your rock. I want to be the person that you depend on and not, not just for giving the kids a bath. And, and, and she was right. I was so selfish and so absorbed that, that I thought when I gave the kids a bath, like I was doing something above and beyond when, when in actuality I was doing exactly what I should have been doing. Right. And I'm tired of getting gold stars for stuff we should be doing. Like I'm tired of getting applauded and saying, man, he's a great man for doing stuff that he should be doing. Man, what would it look like in our homes? Like if it was just expected for us to serve, if it was just expected for us not to be a drain, if it was just expected for us to come home and give it our full, give it our all, be in proximity, be present. Like that was the expectation. That, that was the norm. That wasn't outside the norm. Like that wasn't the outlier. It's not the outlier that I'm giving my kids a bath. Like that's the norm of what I do. Why? Because I'm a servant husband. Because I'm a man who wants to give and not always take. Like that's where I want us to be at men. We're not getting gold stars for doing stuff we should already be doing. Like I'm done with that. You can have that. No, man, I'm going to do that stuff because that's how I'm wired. I'm going to do that stuff because that's what I'm called to do. I'm going to do that stuff because that's what I was made to do. The Lord gave me this, this amazing bride. He gave me a wife like his daughter. Before she was my wife, she was his daughter. And when he comes back to lay claim to her, I'm not going to say, well, God, I didn't break her. Well, you, you gave me five talents. Here's five talents back. I know you're a hard man. Like, that's not going to go well for me. No, 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 no. Whatever he gives me, man, I'm going to steward that, and I'm going to grow that, and I'm going to invest in that so that my wife can be the best wife, the best mom, the best daughter, the best follower of Jesus, the best neighbor she can be, and that largely depends on how much I put into it, on what I give to her. And listen, man, that's not easy. That's not easy. It's so easy to come home and just do what we've always been doing. Come home and think that we need to be served. Come home and think, well, I've already given enough to the world. I can give what's left over to my family. If you do that, um, it's not going to go well for you. Not just when the king returns, like, like life is not going to go well for you. Your sex life is not going to be what it can be. Your satisfaction is not going to be what it can be. Your happiness is not going to be what it can be because you were never designed to be a drain. You were never designed to just be served and waited on hand and foot and give the best of yourself to something else and not give the best of yourself to your family. No, it's the opposite. You were designed to give the best of yourself to the woman that's in your life. You were designed to give the best of yourself to the family that you have. You were designed to actually serve those in your ecosystem, to serve those in your sphere of influence, not take from them. And when you can get that mindset, when you, when, when, when you can get that, that framework right, that every day you're coming home to be the best servant leader you can be, 
man, everything changes. The best definition of leadership I ever heard was that a good leader takes the initiative for the benefit of others. He takes the initiative for the benefit of others. When you come home, it's time for you to be on your A game, not your C game. You're coming home to lead well, to take the initiative for the benefit of your wife, for the benefit of your children, for the benefit of your marriage. And when you do that, you will find great satisfaction and contentment and joy and purpose in your marriage, not the other way around.